Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. My name is Kristen Harcourt. I'm an executive coach and professional speaker. I created this podcast to talk to progressive CEOs, strategic HR leaders, and forward-thinking experts who are passionate about leadership development and creating positive work cultures. And as always, I'm excited for my guests. You hear me say it all the time, but these are special people who I love having conversations with. And I promise you, you're gonna love everything that Kimberly has to say. So my guest today is Kimberly Davis, and she is the founder and director of Onstage Leadership. And she is the author of Brave Leadership. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. I am so excited to talk to you, Kristen. Well, I'm excited to, to talk with you and, and hear all of your rich wisdom that you're going to have to share with our audience. <laughs> well, I hope I'll deliver. <laughs> <laughs> you well, my friend, you well. So let's start off, um, Kimberly, I'm curious, what was the impetus for you starting um, on stage leadership? So I was doing some engagement work with um, a big leadership organization, and we were up in the Northeast working for uh, a one of the fortune 100 organizations and i was uh was in the classroom and i, I talked about my theater background and the director of training was sitting in my my classroom and he went off and he he went and googled me and he found an old coaching website because i had had been a certified coach before that time and he came back the next day and he said you know i've always wanted to do a leadership program that uses theater tools. And I said, well, you know, I've been noodling something over for years, but I haven't had the, an excuse to develop it. And so I got permission from my client to be able to work directly with their client, which was this director of training. And I de designed this full day experiential program uh, using theater tools for their high potential sales team. And I was terrified that it was going to be awful because it was a very unusual program. It was very experiential. And I'd been doing corporate training for many, many years at that point. I knew what corporate training typically looked like. This did not look like anything I'd seen before. <laughs> and so I was worried that it wasn't going to be very good. And so I ran an open enrollment session of it in Dallas before we, we, uh, rolled it out for the client and it went incredibly well. And that was the beginning of onstage leadership because I had negotiated a deal with this client. That I said, look, I will develop this program for you. Um, and I'll give you a screaming deal in exchange for retaining the ownership of the content. And so that was the birth of onstage leadership. And that was back in 2008. So wow. that was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, we're now in, in 2020, which it still feels odd for me to say 2020. I don't know. Time's flying too fast. But so if you look at from for 12 years, you've been doing this work. What do you notice? Because I hear right away um, experiential and bringing in theater and all of this kind of stuff. Um, there's a reason that there was an appetite and a hunger for it. Um, what are people getting in your training that's different that they're really loving? Well, so it was interesting, Kristen, at the time when I started doing this work, that you have to remember, this is before Brene Brown's TED Talk. This is before Dan Pink's work came out. This is before Simon Sinek's work came out. So here I am talking about authenticity and purpose and intrinsic motivation before any of these big voices in the, mar in the, in the marketplace had really risen to, to have the impact that they've had. And so when I first started doing this work, people looked at me like I had three horns on my head. Like, 
know, purpose. Well, why do we care about purpose and authenticity? What does that have to do with business? And, um, and yet, at the same time, and I think, you know, you've picked up on this so much in your work, is that people hunger for this human connection. And even before the market had started moving in that direction, people still knew they wanted it. They just didn't know what to do with it. Right. And so, um, so that was a, a big piece of it. And then the theaters, the theater work that I do, even though we utilize theater tools, it's not like what most people would expect from a, a program that uses theater tools, because most theater tools are, are teaching you how from a prescriptive space, how to show up in the space and how to carry your arms and your, your make eye contact and all sorts of things like that. Um, all the work that I do, however, is inside out work. So it's starting with purpose, it's anchoring in purpose. Why do you care? What matters? What drives you from that internal space? And then that leads to powerful external behaviors, powerful external actions that cause people to want to follow and want, uh, want to listen to you and, and to be influenced by you but it's all inside out work so uh, yes I yes I use theater tools but I use them in a very unusual way yes yes and and as you're talking about that it's um I think it's such a great opportunity to discuss you know you wrote a book called brave leadership and as I hear you talking right now um, and, and like you said we both do a lot of this kind of work where it is helping people to start off from the inside and know who they are and what's important to them and what matters and the impact and and how they want to show up in the world and um, to me I think that's so beautifully aligned with when I think of brave leadership so you wrote a book called Brave Leadership. Um, <laughs> let's start by even defining for, for you, Kimberly, what does brave leadership look like? Okay, so we, it's, it's really interesting, Kristen, because when you look at how we traditionally define what it means to be brave, when you look and actually, it, if you Google it, yeah. it'll say to face and endure danger or pain. And so for myself, I knew that if I, you know, we want to be brave. I, everyone wants to be brave. But I knew that if I focused on on enduring the danger and pain, all I would be thinking about is the danger and pain. So I had to, for myself, redefine what it means to be brave. So the way I define bravery is to be your best, most authentic and powerful self. Because I believe if you can do that, if you can really connect to who you are at your best, your most responsible, your most constructive self, that you can overcome the danger and pain. But if you focus on the danger and pain, it's going to stop you in your tracks. So for me, I had to redefine it. And then for leadership, I don't believe leadership has anything to do with title or position. I mean, certainly there are people with very fancy titles that would be considered leaders, but I can also think of a lot of people with very fancy titles who I would not consider to be a leader. So I look at leadership, true leadership is someone people want to follow, not have to follow. And I don't mean um, want like a, like a, a chameleon they want to they, they want to follow you know like a lemming person but but i'm but i mean that they they want to be a part of what you're doing they want to listen they want to give everything they, they've got they want to be fully engaged it's a heart connection that they're there because they they choose it not they had not that they have to to be there and um so brave leadership is you're showing up as your best most authentic and powerful self so people want to follow you not have to follow you it changes the way you show up in the world yeah so beautiful and and, and so needed and 
why do you think there is such a disconnect <laughs> with how, um, to me, it's like, of course, this is what leadership is about and how leaders should be showing up in organizations. But you and I both know that in a lot of organizations, that's not the case. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. think are some of the reasons for that? Well, I think historically, I mean, if you look at look at how corporate America and, and, and corporations grew, uh, historically, the industrial age required a very different kind of leadership, right? Command and control would actually work in the industrial age. And now we expect people to bring their brains to work with them. We want them to think creatively and we want them to make strategic decisions and think about what's right for the business and manage their own time and resources and all of these different things that during the industrial age were not things that we expected of people. And because we're asking exponentially more for people from people, um, it requires them to make choices about how they, how they spend their time and, and the choices they make for the business. Um, so many of the reasons that we're still seeing what would be considered ineffective leadership. And I don't want to call it bad leadership because back in the industrial age that leadership was actually pretty effective, but it doesn't work in today's, in today's world. Um, but a lot of the reasons we're still seeing it is because many of the senior leaders in today's workplace learned how to lead in a very different era, right? What was needed from them was very, very different. And so they passed down those leadership skills, those leadership traits to the people they're mentoring. And they considered this to be good leaders, good leadership. And so the people that are learning, learn from their leaders and they continue to pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. What they're, what they're not factoring in though, Kristen, is that the world has changed. And I'm sure you have heard of the VUCA environment, uh, the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environment that we live in. Uh, it's a different world. There's been an explosion of connectivity, an explosion in globalization, and what we need from people today is just very, very different. So it requires a different kind of leadership. So I don't think it's that people are bad and wrong. I think it's that this is legacy. And it takes time for legacy to move through. And it takes time for people to make brave and bold choices to try to do something new because this is uncomfortable. And when you try to lead in a different way that your leaders were leading and what you'd been taught, it's going to, it's going to require a lot of vulnerability because you don't know what to expect and you don't know if you might fail. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary thing. And that's why I think uh, what we need more to more in today's workplace than ever before is brave leaders. Yes, yes, absolutely. And when you think about leaders, because there's going to be a lot of leaders that are listening onto the show right now, and maybe their organization is at this point, not really providing leadership development. And I think everyone can feel empowered that there are things they can start to do to create shifts. What would you recommend are some baby steps that leaders could start to take to show up a little bit differently? Yeah, so um, we were talking a little bit about authenticity a little bit earlier, right? And I, I think it's really hard to show up authentically in the world if you don't know who you are. And so beginning with getting to know yourself, um, from a purpose perspective, from a values perspective, what matters most to me for real, not from a paycheck exchange. Oh, your volume went. And um, I, do, I do for the sake of what? And once you can get real clarity around 
who you truly are from the inside out. It allows you to show up more powerfully and more authentically in the world. But then we also have to look at how do we define authenticity? Mm. And uh, so often, particularly in the world of social media, you see memes that say, you know, be yourself, who cares what anyone thinks, you know, and that's how we look at authenticity. But from a leadership and influence perspective, that definition of authenticity really, really doesn't work because it's kind of important yeah. uh, that, that people experience you as someone they want to follow, not have to follow if you're going to truly lead, right? So what they, what they need from you matters, how they experience you matters. So my favorite definition of authenticity is one that I borrow from Bill George, who I'm sure you're familiar with his work, Bill George, for, for those of you that don't know his work. He wrote a book called uh, Authentic Leadership. So, you know, you get to be the guru when you write the book called Authentic Leadership. <laughs> he also wrote a fantastic book called True North. Um, and Bill George used to be the CEO for Medtronic and was on the, the, the School of Management for the Harvard Business School. And he defines authenticity as, are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief in the eye of the beholder? Mm. So it's the people that you're trying to lead and influence that get to decide, do I experience this person as genuine, as worthy of my trust, as someone I can believe in and rely upon? Um, and if you don't know who you are, if you're, not, if you're not living your values, if you're not connected to purpose, then your words and your actions are not going to show up congruently and they will not expect you, experience you as someone who is worthy of their trust and who is believable. They won't experience you as authentic. So really, those few things, get clarity on what drives you from that internal space, what's the impact that you want to have on the people you lead, on the people you choose to serve, on your, on your organization, on your community, whoever it is that you need to lead and influence. And then to, to think of the world in terms of uh, putting empathy into action, which is I th what I really think that definition of authenticity leads us to do. What do other people need from you to experience you as someone who is genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? What do they need from you to, to experience you as authentic? Because that's going to force you to step into their shoes and look at the world through their lens and to, um, and to, to make an to, to then begin, begin to make the impact that you're there to make. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I, I believe so strongly in everything that you've shared. I, and I, I can't believe like so many people don't, aren't really clear on some of those things that you outlined, right? They haven't taken a step back to ask, what is their purpose? What is that? And I know some people even hear the word purpose and that feels so big. I mean, purpose is just taking a, a step back and asking like, what's that bigger vision around? What do you want it? What are you here to do? Right? What's that, right. what's that vision right. and mission that you have, right? To just sit down and right. say, and I always say, um, you know, the beautiful thing is when you start to look at that bigger vision, um, it could be things like, you know, 25 years from now, if I could really achieve this, it would be this. Who do you have to be? How do you have to show up every day? Right. It acts as a filter. Once you have clarity yeah. around what drives you, what your purpose is, or what I call your super objective, which is essentially your purpose in action. But once you have clarity around that, it acts as a filter for action. So then you can hold your own feet to the fire and you can say, am I doing it or am I not? Am I having the impact I'm here to have, yes or no? And that can, that can help you adjust your actions so you can ensure that you're showing up in alignment with who you truly are, mm -hmm. which is, a, is what allows the byproduct of that 
is that people want to follow. They want to listen. They want to be a part of what you're up to. But that's a byproduct. I mean, so many times we're focused on, we're focused on the numbers. We're focused on the likes. We're focused on the results. But truly, I believe the results, the best results are simply a byproduct of the way we show up in the world. So check the way you show up in the world. And the best way to, to hold yourself um, responsible uh, to the, to yourself is to gain clarity around purpose. Yes. And, and like you said, the complimentary part of that is getting really clear on your core values because it's so interesting. You start to realize why things feel the way they do, right? You start getting in again, mind, body, spirit, head and heart, right? You start to notice, yeah. oh, something's not feeling right in my body. Oh, because a value that really matters to you is not being honored or somebody else does something and you're not like, you're realizing it's really impacting you in quite a negative way. Oh, because they've trampled on one of your values. And I said there around um, authentic leadership, because I think what you also start to become clear on when you've done the work for yourself is, oh, guess what? We all have different operating systems. We all have different beliefs and values that have shaped who we are. So how we're perceiving things and relating to things are going to look different. Now, all of a sudden you get to lead and realize, oh, what's going to work for this person and how they want to be led and what's going to work for this person and how they want to be led looks very different. And there's no right way or wrong way because it's not a one size fits all. Exactly. Exactly. What they'll need from you to experience you as authentic is anchored in their values. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and strengths are equally important, right? And, and what I think is so powerful about the super objective work is, is your, your natural strengths or talents and your values are inherently part of your super objective. So what drives you at your core, what drives you at your core is ignited by your values and your strengths. So um, getting clear on those things will make a tremendous difference in how you show up in the world and thus your results. And we all know what that feels like when you're aligned like that, when you're living the values, when you're with your strengths, there's this beautiful flow and high energy that comes from it. So it's, it's such a beautiful way to show up in the world because you're just, you're using those natural gifts and talents that you were born with that are to be used to ultimately serve and have an impact. <laughs> Which exactly, it works stops feeling like work all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, 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 there's joy to be found, and I think that's really at the at the heart of the engagement is being able to find your own joy and being who you are in the world and doing the work you're here to do, whatever that happens to be. Yes, yes. Um, Kimberly, so I know there are going to be some, um, could be CEOs or uh, HR leaders who want to start to make changes in the or- like organization-wide, right? So we've got, we yes. talked a lot about leaders and what they can do, but sometimes it's about really making a culture shift. And uh, there's, I know there's, again, with this, there's not a one size fits all. Um, but from your experience, and, and, and you and I are both really passionate about humanizing the workplace, remembering it's people first. And when you start to treat it people first, profit naturally shows up from that place. Um, what are your, some, some of your recommendations around some of the tactical things at a cultural level um, that organizations can, can do to create more of this brave leadership, to create more authentic leaders, to create this amazing place where people want to go to work? Well, I think igniting conversations that make it safe for people to have some of this exploration is really, really important. I, um, 
I, I know you and I have both been privileged to be a part of uh, what's being what's being called this humans first movement, and I've had an opportunity to now um, do I've done two different humans first sessions, and we're doing another one in Austin coming up in March. Um, and what we've seen is, is uh, organizations coming together, um, and usually there's about you know, between 50 and 70 people in the room from a variety of different organizations. And what shows up in the room is this co conversation that looks something like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have conversations like this in my company and the thing is Kristen it totally can happen you don't need a program to, to come into your company to change it you need someone who's willing to say hey what does humans first mean to us let's talk about it okay and create a safe space where people can have conversations about it and I think that is a really really big beginning to, to making culture change is creating a safe space where people can talk about what it means to be human at work and how can we humanize our own workplace and um, what then what does that mean from a personal responsibility so you cascade it down so we talk or you create the safety the safe place you create the conversations and let it cascade cascade down into personal responsibility and you will see culture change um, much faster than if you start putting in you know 50 different systems that cost millions of dollars it's how do we get human conversations about what matters um, taking place and the first thing that has to happen is creating a, a, a safe place for for these conversations to take place you know you brought up such a really important point Kimberly because I think that's what can happen often is it's easier to not go in the place that might be more vulnerable and to ask those conversations. Yeah. So instead, oh, we'll just go into this thing and this thing and then get into the tactical and be pushing it right. out. And we've all seen the, um, the beautiful checkbox exercises, right? Oh, values, check. This, right. check. Uh, right. this system, check, check, check. But what didn't happen, which is more, we both know, the most important piece is actually way before that, which is having a really open dialogue and conversation around where they currently are and like you said just starting off with like what does it mean to be a human first workplace yeah. like what does that look like well and i think the thing is is it's not a single you know I think a lot of companies will have the conversation we're gonna have a conversation yeah. and we're gonna roll out our survey and yeah. that then we're going to <laughs> we're going to have to do the values work and we're gonna like you said check off the boxes but it can't be a single conversation it's got to be an ongoing dialogue right yeah. and 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 the other thing is is that that if you're creating a safe space what that looks like is leaders have to be willing to model what what they're not doing well and i think one of the most powerful um moments in the humans first charlotte session in charlotte north carolina that i did was um a woman who was a vp and she talked about how she how she had totally blown it for her team how she had used intimidation to try to move the ball forward and and then she was embarrassed and so she stopped engaging in dialogue and and she she took full ownership of the things that she was doing that was dehumanizing the work and really causing um, a lot of strife and, and um, tension and, and toxicity and all sorts of things um, and then 
it was, what did I learn? She talked about what she learned about that, how she wants to be different and what she's going to do to hold herself accountable. And hearing this woman who had a very impressive title own where she had missed the mark and make that in doing so that made it possible for everyone else in that room to look at themselves, to hold up the mirror to themselves and say, where am I missing the mark? What could I do better? But you know, what I believe very, very firmly is that as leaders, we have a responsibility to take our masks down and be vulnerable and let people to see our humanity before they're willing to say, what can I do differently too? And so that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about creating safe spaces. So how do you do that? Not just as a one-off you know, uh, company meeting, but how do you do that in terms of creating um, ongoing dialogue? Yeah. So people have a place to not just complain, right? But people have a place to dream about this is, wouldn't this be wonderful if we could do this? And, and okay, great. So how do you envision this happening? And what part do you want to play in this? And what are you going to do differently? Um, and it shouldn't fall just on HR's shoulders yeah. because a human workplace belongs to all of us. It does not belong to one department. No. And it is far too big of a challenge for one department to take on. It belongs to every single human being in that, in that organization. What do you envision? What, what kind of place would make you be excited about coming to work? What role do you want to play in that? And um, when we all take ownership, then it makes it better for everyone. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I've heard times where, oh, HR owns culture. No, no, I don't know where you heard this. If you heard this in a meme somewhere, the meme is not right. It's not correct. Yeah, it's it's, right. it's, it's, it's right. absolutely each one of us own culture and how we show up. But um, I think that's such a, a really uh, important example around, um, and I, I talk about this all the time, but I, I never get tired of saying it. Um, cause I think it, it's really relevant to all areas of our life, which is actions speak louder than words. And it's it really, it's like that, whether you're a parent, it's like that, whether you're a leader in an organization, right. um, people learn so much more through watching and, and seeing what you do. Absolutely. So, um, taking responsibility and guess what? We're all human. And, and if we say, yeah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't handle that as best as I, I could. This is maybe what I'm going to try yeah. next time. This yeah. is maybe where I was coming from and, and why I reacted in this way. And, um, and, and again, a good reminder that when one person's vulnerable like that, it always encourages and, and creates more space for others to stand up and be vulnerable in the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think this, this goes back to legacy leadership where it used to not feel safe to show your mistakes. Yes. Um, that would be a very dangerous thing to do in the past. And 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 to be honest, you know, you have to you have to know your culture, right? Because in some cultures it still can be that way. Um, but I will tell you, if you can slowly, slowly let people see who you are as a human, people will follow, will crawl over broken glass to follow a leader that they see as a human being who believes in them. Yeah. Um, and if you want to just get a paycheck exchange, then, then you can show up otherwise. But if you really want the best out of your people, then you have a responsibility to let them see you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and the gift in it is you're actually, as a leader for anyone who's is listening right now, you're actually going to feel so much more fulfilled because you're showing up as who you are. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's exhausting to not be yourself every day when you go to work. And um, so it makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Kimberly, as always, we could talk for many hours. We're very (laughs) passionate about this subject and, um, and, and I'm personally am, and so happy to see, you know, even in the last 15 years and the work that I've done in workplaces to see the shifts, to see the progress, to see all of the changes that are happening. Um, to me, it, it makes me really excited. Um, but I, I'd love to, uh, I always like my guests to leave you with one, you know, final, final piece of wisdom. If there was one thing you would want people to know, what, what would you like to leave them with? So something I, I say often is that your focus determines your bravery. So if you focus on what you can't be, what you can't do, what you can't have, you're going to live into that focus. If you focus on the pain and danger, it will stop you in your tracks. But if you focus on the impact that you want to have, it will allow you to step into your brave. So challenge your focus. Your focus determines your bravery. Ah. Uh. Beautiful, beautiful parting words. Everyone listen to Kimberly. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today, Kimberly. I always enjoy our conversations. It is a joy to talk with you as always, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me on and thanks to all of your listeners. Thank you.